to another episode of That Would Be Rad, the show that majors in 80s nostalgia, comic culture, all things paranormal, and minors in retro video games, pre-internet mysteries, and raising our kids to be half as cool as we were back in the 80s. I'm your host, Woody Brown. And I'm your other host, Tyler Bentz. Welcome, welcome, welcome. What up? Is this mic on? The mic's not a one. Psst, psst. Hey, the mic's not the a mic's one. The mic's not a one. God, you know what's funny about that movie, man? Uh, that thing you do is there's so much about it that's kind of like over, kind of exaggerated band sort of oh, stuff. So but then there's like certain things, like that moment, dude, mm-hmm. that we literally kind of lived when we mm-hmm. were when we were touring and stuff. You know, like you're, <laughs> dude, you're. Do you remember the time that we showed up to? It was in North Carolina. Oh man, I wish I could remember the name of the venue. It was in Charlotte, I think. Okay. And we show up. I don't know is why. This, is this when Thomas was really sick? Thomas is really sick. Like, I mean, violently ill. Can barely, yeah. like, lift his head up. We show up to this thing late. Um, um, and, yeah, like, super late. We pull up to the we pull up the van right next to the venue because we're just going to, like, load out real quick. And then I'm going to go mm-hmm. park it. And this guy just starts yelling at us. And we're like, what is this guy's deal? It turns out he's the sound guy. And we're like, cool, man. Well, we're trying to. We're trying our best to hurry up. But that was after I kind of went off on him. Mm. <laughs> it was like, you know, just yeah. being a smart ass. And what was that? Oh, man. Being a smart ass. And um, then we realized he was the sound guy. And it was like, ooh. Yeah. That's the one guy you do not want to piss off. Yep. And as evidenced by, basically, <laughs> we get on stage. I mean, and that's the worst feeling, too. It's just like going to the airport too late and the whole time you're just rushing to get to your gate only to just barely mm-hmm. get on the plane. You're just like you have no time to relax and just soak in the situation. So we get there super late, and I don't remember what the circumstances were, but I'm pretty sure it was probably because we were either waiting for Boo-Boo or you. Because I will say, me and Thomas were already on, always on time. I was usually being driven by you it wasn't my driving that made us late i don't remember what it was maybe it was like i think it was circumstances beyond our control like tons of traffic or something well i thought we were on time and then we had talked to the guy and then he was like oh yeah you got time or or we talked to maybe maybe like we emailed them or the email they emailed our manager or something i don't know man you know we just usually showed up when they told us to show up we show up this guy is like pissed we -hmm. go in and all of a sudden, it's like, well, you guys are going on ta- right now. We don't have time for sound check. You'll just kind of sound check as you go. And, and we weren't even done loading in, yeah. much less. There's, a, there's kinda... a crowd there. We literally have to just like, uh, excuse me, excuse me, as we're just <laughs> loading in our stuff into this venue. I mean, talk about like just amateur hour looking because yeah. of the, this guy. Yeah. And then we start going, and the sound is terrible. Your pedal board, the entire thing just is not working. So you're just like Awful. plug straight into the amp, I think, at one point. I can't hear... Your guitar, my guitar, I just hear, like, drums and mm-hmm. bass. And so I'm, like, trying to sing on top of all that. It was just what was a nightmare. So, bad. so I think we were even just like, well, we're going to play three songs. And then we're, yep, that's it, folks. Good night. Thank you. And then that's it. Mm. 
God. Yeah, and the whole time our drummer Thomas was, uh, other than when he was on stage for the three or four songs, he's literally just mm-hmm. close dying to death. In <laughs> yeah, the back, in the back of the van, like we loaded up, we loaded all of his stuff in, mm-hmm. loaded it out, and broke it down. And he's just like, man, he was in, he was in rough shape. Dude, I will say, like, he got kind of sick a couple times. We all did, I guess, you know, th- mm-hmm. throughout the time. But like, as sick as he got once or twice, like that sucker, you would if you were in the crowd. You would never have known, dude. That guy no. just came 100% in. You know, I, I, I learned a lesson last night. Don't, Im- like, five minutes into a movie, text you to just have you and Courtney start watching it. Oh, know? I I knew that was a bad idea. That, that's why I didn't even I didn't even start it. First off, I can't believe I convinced Anne to watch it. But she was like, eh, it seems kind of cool. Mm-hmm. So, well, let, let, let's tell what the movie is. Oh, it's called The Babysitter. It's on Netflix. It's got uh, this actress... Take it easy, bro. Oh, God, I don't know how to pronounce her name. Samara Weaving? Sounds good. I don't know. She was, she's from Australia, but she was in that movie Ready or Not. Have you seen that? Um, It's like she gets married and then she finds out. Oh, yeah. Man, she's she's awesome, dude. That movie was was really good. And so that's part of the, like, way that I was able to convince Anne to Mm -hmm. watch it. She's like, yeah, she's, you know, she's going, I'm like, you know, it seems like it's going to be a thrasher, but... I'm sure it's not going to, dude. It's like the old school slumber party or like, um, you know, those old like 80s oh, thra- thrash slasher, mm-hmm. just bloody. Is it is it set in the 80s? Is that no, like, no, oh, it's no. just set now. But the vibe, man, it's just uh, it's just awesome. And you're going to you're going to like it, man. Um, but man, our wives definitely, definitely wouldn't. Uh, can we just kind of take a second and say. Thank you to all of the folks that have been listening to the first episode. The the reaction is kind of overwhelming, man. Like a a lot of amazing messages and comments from people. And it's, man, it just makes you feel, makes you feel pretty good. I agree. I agree. It makes you feel nice and warm. Yeah. It it feels like we're, you know, we're still babies kind of on this. And, um, and I think originally we wanted to kind of do this for number one, because we kind of do it every day, every week anyway. So we might as well record it for the posterity's sake. Mm-hmm. Number two, when we're long gone and dead, our kids can listen back and see just how stupid we were. And yeah, man. But you know, get a vibe of of who we were as as people, other than their dads. And uh, and number three, which I think is really cool and apparent, is that it's cool that that there's so many people out there that kind of share the same sort of fondness and this nostalgia for all these things that all the things that we're into for sure like the community aspect of it is so cool i mean i've met a ton of folks uh who are like vhs collectors that have hooked me up with some cool tapes to add to uh to the collection cool. and i can't wait until you know those come in the mail and just a bunch of people that well first off know way more about all of the stuff that we will ever talk about aside from our own music and just music in general mm-hmm. like there are people out there that are just unbelievable experts and i think it's important to note that we're never really trying to be the authority of a certain topic but just kind of bring it to our audience and just like you said man i mean can you imagine having recordings of your dad or mom or or parent or your grandparent or your great-grandparent with like his or her best friend and them just like having a conversation dude i mean Amazing. Amazing, man. So it's just, uh, it's really, really cool. I love that people are liking the podcast and coming along with us in the journey. And and as some of them, you know, multiple people have kind of said, you know, that uh, they're excited to hang out with us every Friday and, you know, 
to those folks, uh, you know, we're just as excited to uh, to be hanging out with with you on Fridays as well. So what? Um, uh, so what have you been up to this week, man? Anything new? Well, I mean, this week, um, both kids are back in school, um, yeah. which is you know, a little nerve wracking as a parent, but it's also exciting. Uh, who knows how long it'll kind of last them being sort of in person and stuff, you know, aside from that, man, just work and being a dad and, um, you know, just kind of, uh, working on this podcast and, um, getting everything, you know, put together there. What about you, dude? I am actually working on a comic cover for a book. Well, actually, I don't know that if I'm allowed to even say this. Well, don't say what the book is. Okay, Um, I'm working on a cover for a book that's coming out from Dark Horse, and it's a couple of friends of mine, the artist and colorist, and um, yeah, it should be really cool. I'm really excited about it. That's awesome, man. Oh, and and then also, um, my daughter started kindergarten, um, so this whole school thing is just brand new. It's new new for you, right? Oh my gosh, I mean, she she started last Wednesday, Mm -hmm. which is just kind of mind-blowing. Yeah, I mean... It's funny too, man. Like I remember too, um, the first time your first kid goes to school, boy, howdy. Speaking of nerve wracking, man, you're just like constantly thinking about them the whole time, wondering, you know, are they sad that I'm not there? Are they scared? Are they having a good time? Is somebody picking on them or, Mm -hmm. you know, are are they misbehaving? You know, there's just so much, but like I kind of told you that day, man, it's, it's amazing just how much well, for, I mean, teachers, man, God, they don't get enough credit, man. No, I mean, they really don't. dude, they are masters of making the kids feel amazing and taking care of them. And as soon as they get home from that first day, they're just like, oh, man, it was so cool, you know. And it's so neat to see that even with all of this, you know, wearing a mask, having it, you mm-hmm. know, it being different, that they, I don't know, man, kids are tough, you know. I mean, like, I feel like we have a harder time with so much yeah, compared to sure. them, you know, they're like way more resilient and they just don't know any better, you know? So they're just like, ah, whatever. Oh yeah. Dude, I am, uh, I'm super excited about today's episode because we are debuting one of our amazing new segments that we call Tales from the Time Capsule. Uh, but before we get into it, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, let's dive right into it. You will know it is time to turn the page when you hear R2-D2 beep like this. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's begin now. The year is 1981. Ronald Reagan is president. Raiders of the Lost Ark hits the theaters. And MTV, or music television, is born. Now, more than ever, video game arcades are becoming more and more popular and locations are popping up all across the United States. What follows is one of the most horrifying mysteries in video game history. Sometime in the fall of 1981, a mysterious video game started to appear in various arcade locations in and around the Portland, Oregon area. Allegedly, the US government commissioned a highly addictive arcade game called Polybius. The gameplay itself was said to be like the Atari game called Tempest. Polybius is said to have incorporated puzzles and subliminal messages and a lot of flashing and strobing light effects. It's reported to have had horrible physical and mental effects on anyone that played it, including seizures, hallucinations, amnesia, night terrors, and in the most extreme cases, reportedly causing suicide and even sudden death. Even something about the arcade cabinet itself was simultaneously mysterious and alluring. Unlike its neon-colored counterparts, the Polybius arcade cabinet was painted just plain black and didn't have any title at all. As the legend goes, kids remember seeing men dressed in black suits appearing every now and then to perform repairs on the cabinets or even some reporting what seemed to be some sort of data download taking place. Some people believe that the physical and mental toll the game caused was the government's way of finding the ultimate soldier. Other theories say that Polybius was instead designed for top-secret mind control experiments that the government were doing. And then, just as quickly as this game had appeared, it was gone. Disappearing as if it had never been there in the first place. No more mysterious black arcade boxes, No more men dressed up in dark suits, standing in the corners with data collection boxes hooked up and seemingly watching over the crowd of patrons. Could any of this actually be true? Was this a video game designed by the U.S. government to find the ultimate soldier? Or was this a top-secret 
mind control experiment designed by the government using a highly addictive, hypnotic, almost mind-numbing video game platform. Or perhaps it's simply just a case of a poorly designed video game that once the designers determined and found out that it caused seizures and injuries was quickly pulled from the market before any more injuries could occur or any legal action could take place. If these arcade cabinets were only around for just a couple of weeks in such a small segment of the United States, how did this legend get out? How did we find out about Polybius? So the first known reference to Polybius came back in the late 90s, around this time actually, August of 1998, from a coinop.org article where they referenced that the game had a very limited release, only appearing in one or two backwater arcades in a suburb of Portland. The article goes on to report that the video game's history itself is somewhat cloudy. Some kids reporting that they stopped playing video games almost entirely, one in fact, later becoming an anti-video game crusader. And that the machines disappeared after a month or so, and no one heard about them again. What's interesting is that back in the 80s and late 70s, when video games were starting to pop up everywhere and video game arcades were kind of the best hangouts for towns, it wasn't all too uncommon for video game creators to send out test arcade boxes to some of these popular arcade locations. And they would either change the title of the video game or there would be no title. They wanted to see if kids would like it. They wanted to see what kind of revenue they could bring in and, you know, kind of test it, almost like a test audience. So you can see how the average arcade patron probably wouldn't give an unmarked black arcade cabinet an odd look or even think that there was anything strange about it at all. So that article from coinop.org was actually popularized after it was mentioned in a GamePro magazine article. In July of 2003, it then shows up on Snopes. Now, remember, this is really early internet times, okay? There were forums and things like that that kind of exist today, but researching a topic or trying to find articles about certain things online was absolutely not like it is today. Back then, it wasn't commonplace for every household to not only have an internet connection, but to even have a computer. In fact, most of the time, if you were in college at the time or in high school, you'd either have to go to a public library or perhaps an internet cafe, as they were called, or the computer lab at your college to browse the quote-unquote internet at the time. So in 2003, Polybius kind of pops up on a Snopes, which declared that it was not a real game, and Snopes couldn't find any mentions of it anywhere at the time. But again, this is the beginning of the internet. It wasn't as sophisticated as it is now. 
Then, in 2006, a guy named Stephen Roach posted on an internet forum claiming to be one of the founding members of the company that developed Polybius and that he and his fellow programmers were commissioned to do so by a South American company. He said that he and the other programmers knew that they were making a highly addictive game but sort of panicked when an Oregon child had an epileptic fit. So the company disbanded shortly after, and shortly after that, the video game was pulled from the market. But almost nearly as mysterious as the video game itself, Stephen Roach remains a somewhat of a mystery as well. No one really knows exactly who he is. Just like the video game, he's also vanished. Polybius gets its name from a Greek historian of the Hellenistic period. The historian Polybius, named Polybius, wrote a series of histories called The Histories, So maybe he's not the most creative guy on the planet at the time, but that's okay. He was a cryptographer, and he was very much sort of just obsessed with getting firsthand accounts and getting his facts rather than believing hearsay. And it's interesting to me that Polybius, the video game, is named after someone who was adamant about collecting facts. It is important to note that, you know, video game designers and companies have, in fact, worked with the U.S. government before. In fact, Atari did a game called Army Battle Zone that later became the Bradley Tank Trainer that was played in arcades all across the U.S. And it's interesting because the gameplay itself, you basically you're driving this tank and your mission is to find and destroy other tanks, and sometimes even saucer-shaped UFOs that you shoot down with guided missiles for, like, the bonus score. A pretty interesting tie-in there. The military had a game where it not only trained tank operators to fight other tanks, but also UFOs in the sky. And if a game like Battlezone exists that was used to train U.S. soldiers and developed by Atari... One of the biggest video game names that, that's out there. I mean, doesn't it mean that the possibility really does exist that Polybius was a real game that existed? And although maybe it wasn't developed by the U.S. government for top-secret mine experiments or even as a data collection device maybe it just had unintended consequences to those that played it. And maybe that's why it was pulled. In any case, there are some people that remember seeing it or know of a friend that played it or even Stephen Roach, who posted on that online forum about being a part of the company that programmed and developed it. The mystery still remains. And no matter what you believe... If you ever find yourself in an old flea market or perhaps an antique store and you happen to see an unmarked black video game cabinet that's unplugged, maybe think twice before you plug it in and press start.
Mm. Okay, so what do you think, man? Uh, I think it's pretty crazy, and I think it's a, um, well, if it is true, I'm hypothesizing here, which, as we both know, I'm a little bit maybe more of the true believer of the group. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I kind of believe all these things are true. Mm-hmm. But um, so let's say it is true. I mean, that's crazy. That's yeah. so nuts. And next, I just want to hear how it continued on, you know, basically to create the last Starfighter in real life. <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, like, here's the thing, man. I'm not a skeptic. So you're the true believer, mm-hmm. and I'm not necessarily a skeptic, but I like to dig a little deeper about a lot of things. And some things I'm like, eh, I don't know if I necessarily believe that. But here's the thing about this that struck me. Okay, look, here's the reasons why I think it became a legend and continue to be a legend and reasons why, I don't know, man, there's a lot of evidence that kind of stack up against it. Number one, the fact that the Army had worked with video game companies like Atari to like design those games. And the fact that there were a ton of reports of kids getting sick at that time. You know, you got to rewind back, man. I mean, nobody, us as human beings, weren't used to being in front of a screen with all of that sort of stimulation mm-hmm. before that time, you know? Yeah. And there were kids that would just get really, really sick from trying to get the highest score and just having these like prolonged, almost like exposure to these flashing lights and sounds and all this kind of stuff. One, in fact, and this is super sad, but a kid died of a pre-existing heart condition after just like right after keying in his initials for the highest score in the game, Berserk. And then also... This is this is where maybe if you were a kid in 1981 in Portland, Oregon, and you read this in the paper, which it was in the paper, and which, by the way, we're going to have in the in the show artifacts on our Instagram. Like I have the news clipping of this man, a 12 year old boy in the Portland area in November of 1981 after playing asteroids in a long marathon to get a high score, got some sort of weird like stomach sickness. And so that was in the paper in Portland. And this is right around the time that all this Polybius stuff is going on. And so, you know, there's a lot of pop cultural references to it. You know, it's uh, mentioned in The Simpsons, mentioned in um, Batman comic. Again, I'll put up all these in the show artifacts. I looked it up, too. I I didn't see the actual, like, a screenshot, but um, Mm. I think it's even on Wreck-It Ralph. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I haven't seen it, but I saw that it was referenced in one of those. And so, look, I don't know if it was a mind experiment that the government was putting on. You know, oddly, funny enough, I actually, right after doing the research for this episode, I watched The Last Starfighter. Nice. How'd it hold up? Oh, boy. Um, Come on. No, I mean, look, it's, I, it's, hard for me to, it's hard for me to judge a movie. My oldest that watched it with me, we had a movie night. We mm. watched it. He kind of got a little bored, or he like some of the things he would say is like, "Man, the, the graphics on that spaceship are so fake." <laughs> so you know, and I was just like, "Well, just imagine it's a video game, son." I mean, it, it's okay, man. There's so many things about it that are so '80s. Yeah. You know, the little brother cusses, you know, and this kid is in some like trailer park in in some California town, and mm-hmm. he just wants to get out of there, man. This is his only shot, you know. Which is and, pretty much every song that we've ever written. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> wow. Yeah, exactly, man. Good call. And it's like you know, his his single mom's there. She's working a million jobs, and so the older mm-hmm. brother is just kind of constantly always there, having to take care of the little brother. And you know, there is one scene, man, that was just so freaky. When I don't know if you remember this, but basically when they come. 
did the did you <sighs> did did an alien ship just land in your house? Was that a siren? My kids are on another level today. Mm. It happens, dude. Um, it happens every damn day. Just in case you watch this with your kids, which I don't, not yet, I wouldn't recommend because of yeah. this one scene. When they come and pick up the main character, mm-hmm. they, they leave behind a robot that whenever it touches oh. the human, it kind of like forms into that person as like a clone so that the I people vaguely, don't know they're gone. Yeah, I, I Dude, vaguely remember there's that. this transformation scene like the little brother like pulls back this the the older brother's blanket or Mm -hmm. something and it like looks at the screen and it's just like this weird like melt like it's really cool but for a little kid oh boy i was like oh man that's gonna give him a reason to come out of bed and be like i had a nightmare about (laughs) yeah so luckily he didn't i kind of just like brushed i was like oh man that's really cool it's like a robot bud I don't know, man. I mean, just the idea of Polybius being real. Over the years, there have been a lot of fake arcade cabinets that were made that are sold and even fan-made video games. I mean, there's like a PlayStation 4 game. Of of Polybius? Yeah, man. Someone made like a custom Polybius sort of like Atari type game. And so there's all these like Mm fan-made video games that exist that people put on cartridges that you can play in old school systems. And so I don't know, man, it's just one of those legends. And I I Mm -hmm. think that's what makes it fun is not knowing the answer, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I really like the, I like the idea that, you know, Polybius, like you were saying was, was he like a, you said he was like a cryptographer, but yeah, probably in that era, sort of a philosopher of sorts as Mm -hmm. well too. And he was all about sort of gaining these accounts of things and, you know, collecting these stories and accounts and stuff. Data, collecting yeah, data. Yeah, that's exactly right. So, And then this game is basically data mining, which even further goes to... I also really like the idea that there's the guys over in the corner, like the men in black, if mm-hmm. you will, basically collecting data on all these things. And another thing that's that I kind of thought of with all this is like, well... What if this Polybius game, you said it said it was only around for like a month or so, right? Yeah. And then it just disappeared. Mm-hmm. Why was that? Does that mean that they got all the data that they needed and they mm-hmm. then they put all that into research and development of a game that is mainstream? Yeah. And something you know? that no one ever talked about but I thought of was, man, what if they were trying to secretly develop an arcade game that they could plant in another country? and use as like a weapon basically right so we know they know it can do this and scramble your brain or something and then they Mm -hmm. ship that thing over there you know there's just so much about it that is really cool interesting i mean as soon as you kind of you know told me about it when we were talking about old video games and stuff and i'd never heard of it Mm -hmm. man once i started digging deep i mean there's all kind i mean this we we literally just scratched the surface on the polybius thing i mean there's a podcast about it called yeah it's called the polybius conspiracy it's a multi-episode kind of series that is pretty well done and interesting but you know it kind of dives deeper into a guy who claims to have been abducted during this time after or while playing polybius and goes into these these tunnels that exist in portland called the i want to say this like shanghai tunnels does that sound familiar but maybe i don't know Who but knows? there's these tunnels under portland don't they usually lead out to sea so basically Something they could like they could, that yeah they could sneak in stuff goods on boats and, and then, yeah yeah mm-hmm. 
So there's just this whole thing that surrounds this, this legend that, you know, like I said, I, I just wanted to scratch the surface on it. And, you know, if it's something that people are interested in kind of learning more, there's a lot out there. Well, and also I've always really been fascinated with, you know, me sort of being into sort of the more fringy kind of um, stuff like Project Monarch, which is like MK Ultra, like Mind Control and like the Montauk Project, which is loosely what Stranger Things is based off of. So it's like, hypothetically, if this is true and this stuff really happened, then it's really not that surprising that it would be something that the U.S. government would be doing, mm-hmm. you know, for to kids. And also, I think it's kind of brilliant because, um, especially back then, your parents weren't so worried about everything like we are now. And so, you know, they would just drop their kids off at arcades. So the parent would never know anything even about this game so if it was a like a psyop or some kind of data mining situation for for the game you know to work on like kids and whatever it's kind of par for the course yeah man i think gosh right now this year 2020 Mm -hmm. i don't think anybody listening to this podcast could or would disagree with the fact that you know we're starting to learn a lot of stuff about uh, there's just we're all kind of coming to the conclusion that there's not a whole lot that could surprise us at this point, you know? Yeah. In, in other words, like, I, I wouldn't doubt it one way or the other, you know? Yeah. It is It is a little weird, though, that, um, again, to play, like, the devil's advocate and to be a little skeptical, which I typically, you know, don't really like to do, but it is weird that if there was supposedly a kid that it had caused him to commit suicide um, or die or whatever, it is a little weird that, like, we wouldn't have heard about that. I mean, granted, the government where these nefarious organizations could, you know, sort of halt that kind of stuff. But at the same time, it's like, uh, that seems pretty far-fetched if that happened. True, but I'll, and this is interesting that we're kind of taking opposite positions than I thought we would, but, okay, true. But remember, man, this is 1981. Mm -hmm. Communication was a lot different back then. There wasn't a 24-hour news cycle. There was no such thing as the internet. There was no such thing as text messages. Things didn't spread as fast as they did back then. And not only that, think about how hard it would be to prove in 1981 that this was video game related. Mm -hmm. You know, like think about like 1981, outskirts of Portland, this kid, you know, it's not like he spontaneously combusted while playing a game or whatever, Mm -hmm. but if he dies or if if has health problems or even commits suicide i doubt the parents would have been like oh, it must have been those arcade games this is still so new and fresh yeah. that that's not probably on the they just think those things are silly old They're just bleeping boxes just for kids yeah it'd be hard for them to imagine the video games being able to cause some sort of damage in any way mm-hmm. you know well and I, I just started watching it's called high score on netflix yeah um, it's really, really cool. I've actually, it's funny that we're doing this because I've been in this sort of rabbit hole of pre-internet game design and sort of the evolution of the, you know, personal computer and everything. I've been uh, watching this show called Halt and Catch Fire on Netflix, and it's fantastic. I absolutely love it. It's just been on 24-7 uh, while I've been doing my artwork and stuff. And then I just started the first episode of High Score on Netflix as well. It's really cool. It really breaks down sort of the evolution of the video game or how we perceive like the the home video game. And one thing that they were they were talking, you know, this is before I guess this would have been mid to late 70s, but you know when Space Invaders came out, I didn't realize how much how big of a deal it was, but apparently there were whole businesses called Invader Houses in Japan and Tokyo that literally were just it was a room full of like a 100 tabletop space invader console oh wow so you look at that and you look at 
the idea sort of like what you were talking about earlier where well maybe these were things to sort of you know these sort of trojan horse weapons mm-hmm. you know and and hey we're american we're gonna we're gonna send all these console or not consoles but we're gonna send all these these huge games over to these companies and we're gonna fill a room full of them and there goes your youth you know but another thing that i just thought of is like okay let's just back it down a little bit what if instead of it being like you know used as a weapon what if it was potentially used as a data collection thing i mean gosh mm-hmm. we're, we're living in the data collection age right now yeah. man yeah. so imagine it being just kind of like a primitive version mm-hmm. of data collection back then when you could send these video games to other countries and learn about those folks because so many because it was so popular and something too that you know i just want to reiterate back in the early days of arcade games we like to think of us being the ones that played it you know little kids at the arcade mm-hmm. and stuff. but really it was kind of like a different it's almost like a pool hall it was actually filled yeah. with like 18 to 20 somethings mm-hmm. and so you know that kind of data is going to be a lot more valuable to a government than you know five and six year olds so really right. when people were thinking about this i just wanted to reiterate you know don't think of it in terms of like why would a government want data from seven seven and eight year olds or yeah. 12 year olds it's more like you know the 18 to 25 year olds that are in there playing the people that would be essentially fighting wars against Mm. you right so you're doing this data dive and collection into basically the people that are going to be fighting against you and i mean that would be extremely valuable information you just never know man it's it's just it's crazy it's interesting too to look through the, the lens of if that were the case like what was the actual data that they were mining you know so it's yeah. like is it sort of the game is sort of created to see like how you know maybe another culture responds to this stimuli or mm-hmm. this stimuli and then maybe maybe that's how we change our military offense or defense mm-hmm. it, it's pretty fascinating really if you look at it and you know kind of take it take it serious you know? yeah it's cool and just imagine, man, I mean, can you imagine, imagine us right now, like walking into a flea market or something, one of these thrift stores close to us, we're, we're hunting VHS tapes and just over there in the corner, we see this dark arcade box. I mean, what would you Amazing. do? I mean, would you plug it in? Oh, absolutely. Would I plug it in? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I don't know. I wouldn't, but I'd let you do it. So go listen. I haven't listened to it yet, but um, let's give a plug to... The podcast you were talking about, yeah, the Polybius. the Polybius conspiracy is what it's called, and it's I think it's a couple years old, but it's yeah, it's well done. Man, you know what I wish was still around? What's Do that? you remember how you would go into like a a pizza place and they would have like the in oh, the yeah. tables they would have like the video games that you could play? Miss Pac in the table. Miss Pac-Man was like I think there yeah. was a Donkey Kong. Yeah, yeah, there was, and. Man, you could just eat pizza and get those like you know what I'm talking about the pitcher. It's like a brown or like mm-hmm. a like a tan pitcher of Coke that you just oh push. yeah oh my gosh man those big tall like red plastic were, cups you know what I'm I talking think about they even said Coke on the side oh yeah for sure in white yeah well at least down here in the south you know yeah right. I'm sure it was Pepsi up there but which you know by the way man look and I would love for people to tell us this which they preferred maybe we'll do like a poll on the Instagram. Coke versus Pepsi. Ooh. I mean, what what are your thoughts on that? I mean, you can get out of my house if you like Pepsi. Well, here's the thing: I don't like Pepsi better than Coke. If it's if it's just if I'm going for which one do I like better, Coca Cola, all the way, hands down. Yeah. Especially if you're just like, what's the best cola that exists out there? Coca Cola. That being said, be. that being said, 
There are some other colas out there that are pretty good. I'll give you an example. RC Cola. It is pretty good. It's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Pepsi as a drink is pretty good. I got one a couple weeks ago whenever I was like, you know, it's so 80s looking, man. There's just something so 80s about yeah. the Pepsi logo. It's like, I haven't had one in a long time. It It's definitely not as good as Coke, but just as a standalone drink, mm-hmm. it's pretty good. Yeah, I agree. Uh, well, dude, I, I think... I, uh, oh, God. oh, man. <laughs> no, I was just going to say that um, you want to talk about your, your, uh, your weird bootleg console that plays all those... Yeah, so um, my son's birthday is in September, just a couple of days after mine. One thing that I'm really just the worst at, man, is giving people gifts like way before, same, you know, Christmas time, birthdays, whatever. It's just like I just can't stand it. It's my favorite thing to do ever is give gifts. And so a couple of weeks ago, I thought, you know, it'd be a cool present for this kid because he's really into like on his own man i'm not shoving this stuff down his throat you know he reads old school comics and so he sees all these ads for old video games and stuff and he's just like man i really want to play this and he's gotten really into mario and all this so i thought okay well should i and the video game the retro gaming community the purest out there i don't know how they'll feel about this but i you know i think they'll they'll understand my my line of thinking so there are these consoles that exist that play like original nintendo games nes that Nintendo mm-hmm. Entertainment System. They will play cartridges from Super Nintendo and Sega Genesis, all That's in one amazing. thing. That so is amazing. I thought, yes, it will be cool for us to eventually collect original consoles like the NES, Super Nintendo, all that. But what is the quickest way to achieve the goal that I want, which is him being able to play all these games that I loved when I was a kid? Get them hooked. One of these, right? Yeah. So this company called Retron makes a bunch of these things, and the one that we got is like the Retron 3. So we kind of went to this amazing – there's two stores that sell retro games in our area. Um, One is called Retro Games, (laughs) which (laughs) – cool. Um, It's really cool, man. They've got so many old games. And then the other one doesn't just sell retro games. They sell old toys, comics, back issues – uh, hard to find comics, VHS, just everything, man. And it's called yeah. Wizards, and it's my absolute fa- like. I visit that place at least a couple times a week, mm-hmm. easily. Yeah. And this is in Gainesville, Georgia. Yes, man, they are amazing. They just have, I mean, everything that you would ever want, man. Any any old game, any you know, they just tend to carry it and so we'll go in there and we'll kind of like hunt for games it's uh it's been fun and it's just man it's so fun to see him get so fr- do you remember how pissed you'd get like when you hear the the worst oh man you just want to break that stupid brick controller in yeah. half man i mean i remember i'm trying to think of the game like i know that i did it with the first ninja turtles game oh god um, where you would literally get so so into it and amped. I mean, I would have my shirt off. Mm-hmm. I'd be standing like, you know, a foot away from the screen. Like, okay, I'm, I'm in the, I'm in the zone. I'm in mm-hmm. the mode. I'm gonna beat this thing. And, I mean, no amount of frustration that we face today, even comes close to that feeling back then. Um, which this actually does coming back around to Polybius. It is interesting because do you find that like these games are really hard? Because I feel like a lot of those things that made us really good at those games back then, I mean, I'm for certain that I could I could pull up an old Nintendo game and be terrible at it. Oh, yeah. But back, in the day, back in the day, like, I was a pretty good little gamer. And so 
-hmm. It's like, what is that component? And was that what they were sort of mining for? I don't know, man, because it's funny. The only reason I'm better at Super Mario 3 than my son is because I remember like where all the secret oh, yeah. like stuff is, like the magic flutes mm -hmm. and stuff. But dude, he, well, he's got an unfair advantage because he'll like watch YouTube videos about oh, the yeah. games. And so he knows about stuff. But like, as far as like actually playing it in a lot of ways, man, still I'm better blown away. He's pretty good, mm -hmm. man. And it's just surprising. And even Jane, our youngest, man, she'll jump in there. And she's actually pretty good at Super Mario World. That's crazy. But I'll tell you, man, do you want to know what's crazy? I've been almost, I've been, it's almost 10 years now that we've been married. And this whole time, I never knew how amazing, and I mean like master level, dude, master level uh, my wife is at playing Super Mario World. She's literally, it's the best I've ever seen That's anybody amazing. play. It. She knows where all the secret stuff is that I never, I never knew about. Like there's a, ch it's just weird, man. There's like secret worlds and stuff after you beat the game that changes everything. There's like a chocolate world, crazy. I, stuff, I do man. remember her because I, I knew her, her. Actually, your wife's mom was my first grade teacher, and so mm -hmm. I knew Anne forever. Um, and I, I, do, I didn't know that about Super Mario World, but I did know that she was obsessed with the Snake game. On like the old Nokia phones. Oh my gosh, yes, dude. She was obsessed and was, was awesome, really, at yeah, it, man. Amazing. Yeah, it's so funny because she she will like get hooked on one thing and then like master it and then have zero interest in trying something <laughs> else. Yeah. Like her and Woodrow will get into these like arguments about like he want he's like, Yeah, but I think you would like Mario Kart. And she's like, I don't like three D games, I don't like driving games. It's like God. She's like <laughs> Super Mario World only and that's how it used to be with snake man or like there was another game that she would crash all of my computers with when we first started dating oh man what is it called it's got like this little like you'd have to like shoot that's my favorite game of all time do you know what i'm talking about it's called snood snood amazing oh my God. dude she crashed it's every amazing. computer like yeah meltdown i lost so much i had two computers that it crashed as well oh my and God. I, don't, I don't i still don't really know why i don't know I think because you would download the game like from some random webs or like mm -hmm. Napster, you yeah. know, or something or LimeWire, uh, Lime yep. and it there would be so many viruses attached to it. Oh my gosh, man! Yeah, that was a great game though. Was, that was, one's probably that one's probably designed by the government to crash my computers. <laughs> sure. I, I would get, dude. I would get so mad, and mm. I don't know if I'm just like exaggerating this or remembering it incorrectly. She'll have to be the judge of that. But I swear, the last time it happened, basically, she just didn't say anything. And I was like, come home to use the computer, and it just doesn't work. And she's like, I, I don't know. I uh, returned it to, like, the the latest backup or something like that and saw that that was, like, downloaded. And I was like, here we go. <laughs> Snood attacks again. All right, man. Well, I think, uh, gosh, man, I think we've we've said it all. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh where can we be found? Yeah, man. So people can find us on Instagram at uh that would be rad. And that's where we're going to have a bunch of, you know, after the show is published, we're going to have a bunch of pictures of of different things that we talk about in the in the show and that's a great place to kind of interact with us, send us messages um and all that. And if you don't have an Instagram but you want to kind of be a part of the show, there's two other ways that you can do that. You can send us a message, a voice message, if you go to our Anchor page, which is anchor.fm slash thatwouldberad, or you can send us an email at thatwouldberadpod at gmail.com. Right on. Again, thank everyone so much for listening. Until next week, I'm Woody Brown. 
I'm Tyler Benz. Be rad. That's the way.